You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You can open your Bibles over to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. And uh, Philippians chapter 1. After the book of Galatians, well, not quite, maybe after the book of Ephesians, it goes Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Gentiles eat pork chops. That's how you can remember those. Gentiles eat pork chops. Or what? Gypsies eat pork chops? Oh, it spells gypsy. Okay. I just remember somebody, somebody in Bible school saying that. I was like, this is why we're getting this education. Uh, Okay, Philippians chapter 1 in verse 6. This is our foundation verse. You can go back and pick up the things we've taught from this because I really need to move on to the next. But let's let's read it. It says, and I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue up to the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work, perfecting and bringing it to full completion. So from that, we said, number one, God himself is committed to our spiritual growth and maturity. All right, he is developing the work that he has uh, put in us. And And we saw that that term good work, it means God has begun an excellent work in you. He's begun a virtuous work in us, the best possible work. It means a beneficial work for you and others. It means a pleasant work. What God is doing in you can be pleasant as we grow and change. We don't always think that. And it is a useful work. And it says that he is developing that work and it is the picture of finishing something out, putting all the finishing touches on it. I'm going to say this up front and then we'll see this today. So God has begun a good work in us. When we got saved, the Holy Spirit came to the inside of us. Uh, he, he, we are new creatures in Christ and his life came into us and he's begun this good work in us. That work that salvation that you received is complete. The, sal- the salvation, the, the life that he gave us, the, the acceptance, that part of that, what he deposited in us, that is complete. But its influence and work of changing us is ongoing and progressive. The, 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 uh, the nature of that salvation that he's given us that's complete it's a finished work in christ it's his life but that finished work is completing a work in our soul and throughout our body and throughout it's changing our attitudes our desires our thought life the way we approach things our our expectations all of these things are being influenced so essentially what the scripture is talking about is there is a complete work in us that is having its progressive work out through us. That makes sense. Okay. All right. So go over to Philippians chapter two. We're just going to look at verse 12. 
on probably verse 13 today. Uh, We're a little short on time. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And this is from the Amplified Bible, and I think that's a good place to read this from today. Uh, It says, Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, with self-distrust, with serious caution, with tenderness of conscience, with watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. All right, so here's this verse, and we hear this quoted a lot. This is another verse I believe is misinterpreted by lots and lots of people. Work out your own salvation, right? We, I, I have heard that my, my whole uh, adult life. I've heard people talk about working out their own salvation. And many times it comes in sort of a context of um, God saved me, but now I have to... Uh, through my own actions, through my own works, I have to go out and demonstrate that I'm a saved person. And we make this disconnect, or, or it'll be, you know, God saved me, and now I have something to prove. It's like I have a debt to pay to him by doing good works. I have to prove to other people. I have to try to live like a saved person. I have to try to live like a Christian. There's no trying to live like a Christian. If you're a Christian, you've been transformed on the inside. And as you are, what is our part? Our part is giving ourselves to the Lord. Our part is developing the relationship, keeping a tender heart. We're going we're gonna to see this. We're going to do everything we can do to, to create a, a, an atmosphere, an environment in our lives that is conducive to the growth and of what God has done in us and what he is doing in us. We want our hearts to be in a condition where we are good soil for the word of God. We want to be in our hearts in a condition where when, when we have time with the Lord or throughout our day, we are able to just easily connect with God. We don't want to let our hearts get hard. We don't want to participate in offense or unforgiveness or things that would make it difficult for God to complete the work that he's trying to do in us. But there are so many times where this verse is, is used that way. It's, it's not saying we have to now put our salvation to work through activities, through uh, our, our own works. Um, there is a, there's a, I want to back up a little bit in this verse. He says, you know, just the same way you've always obeyed my suggestions. Now, much more so that I'm absent, he says, do these things. In, in uh, Philippians chapter 4, and you don't need to turn there, in verse 9, Paul says, practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Model your way of living on it, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul is saying, what, you've, what you have heard when the word of God comes to you, what you have heard, the gospel you've heard preach, practice it. In other words, put it to work. Do something with it. 
Okay, what you've seen in me, what you've what you've heard me, what you've seen in my lifestyle, put it to work, practice it, do it. There's a huge difference between knowing what Jesus said and putting his words, putting his words as into the foundation of your life and living from those words. And that's what Paul is getting at in chapter four. He's saying, He's saying, look, God has, has begun this thing. Whatever you've heard, whatever you've seen, when the word of God comes to you, when, when you surround yourself with people that you know are living for God, that doesn't mean they're perfect. No, none of us are. But it means they are in pursuit of God and his life. When you see those people, you see how they handle a tough situation in life. You see how they handle uh, somebody coming against their reputation or a hard relationship or whatever it is. You see how they handle that. He's saying, take hold of those godly things and put them to work. That whole idea right there is, is, is the idea that we are creating an environment in our lives, by what we do in our hearts, by who we hang out with, by how we approach the word of God, with all of those things, with how we do these things, we are creating an environment that's just conducive to God being able to develop that work that he's already started in us. Does that make sense to you? All right. So so Paul is saying uh, here that this first of all this this term work out okay it means do whatever is necessary to see something all the way through to see a project all the way through in other words as annie said to us earlier don't quit refuse to quit that's what work out means. Do whatever is necessary to see something all the way through to completion. Never quit pressing into God as he continues to develop the work that he's begun in you. So there are a couple of ways we can approach that. We can say, okay, now I've given my life to Jesus. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. See you when I get there. And we just live our life on what we can think of and, and you know, our own skills or talents or what we can work out in life. And we just kind of expect because we think salvation is all about heaven. And it's not. Heaven is wonderful. Eternal life with God is wonderful. But salvation is at work. It is a daily it is the life of God in us, transforming us and changing us and working out through us and touching others around us. It is a, a life that begins the moment you invite Jesus in and the transformation in us will never stop until we see him face to face. So this term, work out a love, the Amplified uses this term, cultivate, cultivate, cultivate the life that God has begun in you. Again, the, I love these things in the Bible. That life is complete, but it needs to be cultivated so that it can grow. That life is perfect that God put in you. But we can cultivate it, or we can not water it, we can ignore it, we can pretend it's not there, we can go about our lives, and it will not have the impact that God wants us to, it to have in our life. This word cultivate means to give necessary care and attention to a living thing. To give necessary care and attention to a living thing. 
to create an environment that's conducive to maturity and fruitfulness. That's conducive to maturity and fruitfulness by the decisions I make with my own heart. I can make my life conducive to fruitfulness. It's the work of God that's doing it. I'm not doing it, but there's a lot that I can do. If I, if I grab the idea that, you know what, what God has deposited in me, his life, this just sounds so stupid to say, as if we'd think anything else, but we do. His life is a living thing. His life, his life is alive. His word is alive in us. His spirit is alive in us. And like every other living thing, when nurtured, it, it brings, it, it grows. The, the word of God puts down roots in your heart and grows. It impacts more and more and more and more of your life, of your emotions, of your thought life, of your, you know, again, of your desires, of the passions of your life, all these things. It, the influence of God just continues to, to change us, to grow in us, to, uh, to honestly, just to produce fruit and, and cause us to be uh, more like Jesus. You know, Jesus said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That word where he says every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, it's that Greek word rhema, and that means a personal spoken word. Everything that God speaks into your heart, everything that the Holy Spirit lights up when you hear, you hear the word, or you're reading a scripture, or you're having a conversation, or you're, you know, you're, you're engaged with the Lord, and all of a sudden this thought, this, this, or his very word, it lights up on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit breathes it into your heart. That's a rhema word from God. And it carries the life of God to change you and to change things around you. And Jesus, this, this wasn't your Aunt Millie. This wasn't, you know, uh, your mama. It wasn't any of those people said, Jesus said, we live not just by natural things. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Um, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. I know I'm just kind of rushing through this. There are a couple other things I want to get to today. It says, Psalm 1, 1 through 3, it says, Meditate the word day and night, and then you shall be like a green tree planted by the rivers of water, whose leaf never withers and who bears fruit in every season. The, the scripture tells us it's when we meditate on the word. We revolve the word in our minds. We speak the word aloud to ourselves. Again, it's doing something. It's not earning anything. You know, when I use a wrench, when I use the appropriate wrench on a specific part of a machine, I'm not earning the fact that the nut comes loose and comes off without stripping. I'm not earning that. I'm just taking the appropriate tool and I'm using it. And it's the same thing. The principles of God. Jesus told us that parable in Matthew chapter 7 where he said, the storms of life come against every life. Remember, he, he talked about two houses or two lives that were built. And one, they both heard the word of God. But one was built on, he heard the word of God. The other one was built on, heard the word of God and did the word of God applied the principles to his life 
And that was, Jesus said, that's like building your house or your life on a, on a foundation of rock. The same storms come against both of those lives. One is built on sand. Oh, I heard the word, but I didn't, I didn't plug it in. I didn't take that principle and actually begin to live as if that principle was true. I didn't apply it to life. And that's like a house or a life that's built upon sand. And the same storms come against every life and one life stands strong and the other one is washed away. It's this, it's this whole idea. We've got, to, we've got to cultivate some things in our heart and our approach to the word of God and to his presence and to worship and to prayer and all of those, those aren't earning anything with him. They're just ways that we honor God. It's, it demonstrates our reverence for God, that we come to him. We want to spend time with him. And when he says something, we receive it. We don't just chalk it up as another neat little thing and put it in our notebook and put it away and never think about it again. We take hold of that because there is life in that word. And every time we make that choice to honor God's presence, honor God's word, honor his anointing in a place or a time or whatever it is. Every time we make that decision, we make our hearts more conducive to more coming from God. Does that make sense to you? Does it? Because we, we can keep going on it for a while. I just want to say this to you and then we'll go to the rest of this verse as I was thinking about these things today, I was thinking about some of the promises that we have from God and how amazing they are. And, and I was in here, I was studying these verses, I was just thinking about the things that God has said and, and the way when we apply those principles to our life, life is different. We're different, but life works better because God created life and his principles do work in this life and in this planet. The planet itself is responsive responsive to the word of God. Okay. And I was thinking about all that. And I was thinking about some of these promises, man, they're so big. They're so amazing. You know, you will supply all of my needs according not to what I can do, but according to your riches that are in glory in Christ Jesus. You know, I, I you you forgive all of my sins and heal all of my diseases. You know, they're just, they're, they're just so awesome. And then I was thinking about us and I was thinking about where we live, the time in which we live, not just here in this valley, but throughout, you know, throughout our nation, throughout the world, uh, weird things are happening, you know. And I, and I was thinking about the struggles that some people, you know, around us, a lot of the people around us are having, having and it just came up in me. And I just, I came in here and just started declaring this. Where does it say that the promises of God are yes and amen, except in Gunnison County? Where does it say that God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, eh, except in Gunnison County? Eh, those, those promises don't work here, you know, and, and, I, and I'm telling you, that's kind of the it's kind of the attitude I run into sometimes. Somebody will be communicating a very legitimate struggle they're having, and I'm all there to pray and, and, and walk through it with them. That, that's fine. We all have them, okay? There are realities around us that are realities. But for you and I, 
there are promises that are bigger than those natural realities. The word of God works in Gunnison County too. The word of God doesn't only work in Denver or in Glenwood or in Aspen or in Grand Junction or someplace where the grass is always greener on the other side. No, the word of God works here. And honestly, I would rather be here and and fight the fight and see that word of God produce what is impossible right here than to go somewhere where it's just naturally easier. And I just, that's just me. I mean, not everybody feels that way and I fully understand it. Whatever God's telling you to do, that's great. But I, I just, I just feel like, you know what? We're, God has made promises to us about this valley. God has spoken things to us in order for us to speak them over this valley, that it would be next to impossible for somebody to come through this valley and not have some kind of a touch from God. That it'd be next to impossible for somebody to live here and end up going to hell because they never heard the gospel. They never ran into a real Christian. We've had so many promises that this would be, there'd be a fountain of the Holy Spirit for people to come and drink from here. That what he wanted to do out of here was, 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 would be looked at and said, how could that massive thing have come out of there? Those are all things God spoke to us before we ever moved here. And, and I just, for me, I will stand on those promises to the day I take my last breath because this is our ground. And I know this isn't true for everybody and I get that. This is our ground and we're, we're not giving it up. We're not going to. I almost cussed there. That's, <laughs> we're just not going to. Okay, that was free. Let's, uh, let's go and let's look at the last part of this verse. Are you still with me this morning? Oh yeah, this is all good too. Sorry, if you got to go at 11, go at 11. We're not going to be done. Um, sometimes we just get tired though. And that's, I mean, that's been addressed so much this morning. We do, we all, we get tired. We're standing and we're fighting. And a lot of times we're not seeing the breakthrough. And when we do, we need to rejoice really big. We need to rejoice in every victory, even if it's only partial, rejoice and declare the goodness of God. But a lot of times we just get tired in doing the next right thing. We get tired. We want to give up. We want to quit. We've, we all go there from time to time. We all feel that. We all do. I'm not exempt from that. Karen's certainly not exempt from that. She's, no, I won't say that. No, I mean, we, we all, I fully get that. It's just there's a decision you can make. But here's some scriptures you can feed on. Galatians 6, 9. Let and let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Okay? Don't give up. Don't quit. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. It says, But we do strongly and earnestly desire for each of you to show the same diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and enjoying the full assurance and development of your hope until the end in order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards, but imitators, behaving as do those who through faith and by practice of patient endurance and waiting are now inheriting the promises. Again, it's just an exhortation. Don't quit. 
it's always too soon to quit. Hebrews 6.12 in the Passion Translation says, so don't allow your hearts to grow dull. Now, I love these kind of verses because it's telling me I have a role in this. It's, it's a, I saw somebody the other day said they were sad and they said, oh, God's just allowing the sadness. Well, he, anyway, never mind. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. We've all got to learn how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, how to get with God when we don't feel like it, when every fiber of our being wants to lay down and quit. Instead, we make the decision darn it. One of the verses that God, and I've said this to you before, one of the verses that Lord really imparted to us years ago and has spoken to us so many times was where all, you know, Jesus talked about, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And just, you know, practically everybody that was following tons of people walked away. This is a hard saying. We can't do it turned to his disciples and he said, do you want to go too? And he wasn't being nasty. He was giving them the opportunity. Do you, do you want to go too? It's okay. You can go. And, uh, and Peter came back and he said, where would we go? Which t- says to me, yeah, I want to. But where would we go? You have the words of life. And, the, and the, what's the inference there is you and you alone have the words of life. Where would we go? And I've felt that way, and you've probably felt that way, you know, that if there's any other way to get this done, if there's any, you know, I mean, it'd be so be so easy to quit. And yet we've watched people quit, and it's not easy. He has the words of life. Where would we go? Where would we go? Okay, let's try and wrap this up. Oh, we're not doing too bad. We'll be out of here before noon easy. Uh, so we're back in Hebrews 2. 12. I hope you're doing okay this morning, really. So I want us just to look at this as we as we begin to wrap this up. Our, our, never mind. I'm not going to waste time on that. Our pastor was famous for always saying, in closing, and it was like, he's 25 minutes from closing. Uh, anyway, it says, again, back in verse 12, he says, work out cultivate, carry out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation. And he says with, notice these terms, Here's the, here are the hard attitudes we need to carry in order to create this environment where God can finish the work that he started in us. He says uh, with, first of all, he says with reverence and awe and trembling. And he referred to this this morning. It has to do with the fear of God. It has to do with reverence and awe. King James specifically there says with fear. And it it means fear of God. It means a deep reverential respect for God and the work he has begun in you. When we have a deep reverential respect for what God is doing, then we are in much better position to carry out and cultivate that work and see it through to the end. Does that make sense to you? So it means a deep reverential sense for God and the work he's begun in you and coupled with a deep sense of accountability to him. 
I think that's one of the things that, you know, we're not into. We, we know that Jesus carried our sin, that we are welcome in God's presence, that we are accepted with him. We still need to have a sense in our life of accountability to him. We will give an account of our life. I think it's one of the best things you can teach your children is their life is not just about them. It is not just their own. It is about others, but it is primarily about God. What we do with our lives, the attitudes we carry, what we let God do in us, it's, we have an accountability uh, for this. And if we will live a life knowing that we will give an account of our life, we'll live it very differently than if we think it's just about us and whatever we want to do is we, we can do. He says to um, live it with self-distrust. Self-distrust, that sounds, uh, sounds kind of radical. It, it means a critical self-evaluation. We might say be self-aware. It's not about self-deprecation. It's not about putting yourself down. It's about having the humility to realize you have weaknesses. You're not always right. You're not there. You haven't arrived. And so from time to time, you go before God. You don't assume that every inclination of your heart is right. And so you make it a regular discipline and practice to go before the Lord. Uh, David said it this way in, in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. He said, search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So the end result of that, it's not, God, show me anything that's wicked in me so I can feel bad about myself. It is, show me anything that's off and lead me in the way everlasting. The end result of that is staying on course, staying on point, staying focused on the things of God. So, so we come at this thing with self-distrust and serious caution. It says, self-distrust and serious caution. And then it says, with tenderness of conscience. That means we want to be sure we're easily moved by the lightest nudges of the Holy Spirit. We want to keep a heart that's easily moved. We quickly say yes to the Lord. We quickly yield and comply with what it is he wants, knowing that he has the best for us. We maintain a tender conscience by yielding to the Holy Spirit, we harden our hearts every time we choose to pretend we don't hear Him or choose to just say, I'm not doing that. You know, there's a big difference between saying, That really scares me, Lord, show me how. That really scares me, Lord, you know, change me, give me the boldness, give me the wisdom, give me whatever. So you're connecting with Him. There's a big difference between that and just saying, I see that in the Word, or I hear you saying that, God. I don't want to go there. That hardens your heart. That will sear, the Bible says, sear your conscience. It'll get really hard for you to uh, hear what, what God is saying to you. And then it says, and I love this, it says, with watchfulness against temptation. And it defines that as timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. That really hit me the other day. It's, our heart should be in such a place that when we're exposed to ungodliness, when we have various temptations to do things, 
we're a little horrified by it. We're a little horrified by the idea that we could give ourselves to that behavior, that attitude, that thought, we're, because it would discredit his name. Not because we're going to get, it's not about punishment. It's not about, oh, I'm afraid God's going to strike me dead. It's not about that. It's about, I have so much love and so much reverence, so much respect for you, Lord, that, and I recognize what you're doing in my life that, oh man, I, I don't want to discredit your name. I don't want my attitude, my words, the things I put on, on the internet, I don't want that to discredit your name, God. So, so you see, it's a, it's a loving thing. It's, a, it's, it's an honor. It's, it's a respect. We're just a little horrified at the idea of sullying his reputation. It really matters to us. When you love somebody, that's how you feel about them. When you love and respect somebody, that's how you feel about them. You know, you, you don't want to do anything to harm them. Last verse, and, and we're done. You get all of that in Philippians 2.12, all of that that we just talked about. And then 2.13, I love this. It says, all of this, not in your own strength, for it is God's. This brings us back to trust in God about the development of what he started in us. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing Get this, and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. He will create in us both the, and and he's constantly at work to do this. If we just yield to him, if we just create this open environment in our hearts, he will create in us, he will do the work so that in our own hearts, we have the will to please him and show us how to please him. I love that because I need that. We're not supposed to live a life of constantly fighting our own will. That's kind of a picture a lot of people have of Christianity. There's some of that, but really our desires are supposed to become like his. Our will is supposed to be conformed to his will. And that's part of the work he's developing in us where there are areas where we're just, we know in our own hearts. It's that self-evaluation thing. I know in my heart, God, I, I just, I, I see, I know you have the best for me and I hear what you're saying and I want to desire that. But to be honest, I don't desire it yet. He already knows, by the way. I don't desire it yet. So Lord, create that will in me, to live a life pleasing to you, to live a life that honors you, create that will in me. And that way we're walking with his desires. We're walking, our desires are changed and we want to, we want to be with him. We want to fulfill his plans for our life. It's a, it's a wonderful, that's all part of him working out, the working out of that salvation that already exists in you. I hope this made sense to you. Let's stand up and pray this morning. Appreciate your patience. Whenever they say that to me and when I'm on one of those calls, you know, I'm called and and they and you're on the yeah, you're on hold for ninety minutes and, and they keep coming back and saying, Oh, we appreciate your patience. I always say back into the phone, You're making some big wrong assumptions right there. So but I do appreciate your patience. Father, we thank you so much. God, we, I, I thank you so much for everything you've said and everything you've done in this place. And I pray, Father, for every heart 
in this house today, Lord, to be open and and to have heard and to receive the things that you have. And then, Lord, that we choose right now, we will hold them and treasure these things up in our hearts. We will give the opportunity for the things you've revealed to each of us, those individual things. God, we will give the opportunity for those to have a complete work on the inside of us. We thank you. We believe your word's alive. We believe it has entered into our hearts. We do everything we know how to do. To, to make our hearts open to you. God, if there's any place in us that's resistant to what we're hearing, God, we, we just ask you, Lord, we repent of that and we ask you to change that part of our hearts. Lord, we so much want ever to be, to have, to, to know you and to have everything you have for us. So we thank you for that. And Lord, we, we, as we go out into this week, we believe, Lord, you will draw Holy Spirit, we just give you the permission. Draw these things out of us so that we can minister them to other people. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, if you need prayer for anything, please come up after service. I'd love to pray pray, pray hands for you, whatever that means. And uh, otherwise, go out, fellowship, have a great week. All right, Let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.